G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Tuesday morning. Welcome to Summer Days on SENZ with Stephen McIver in for Smithy and we have got a good one for you today. First up this morning, we got him, finally the young Kiwi who rocked the UFC at the weekend, then tweeted just a Māori boy from New Zealand, it's my time. Yes, in just under 60 seconds, we have Kai Kara France here on SENZ. Just after 9.30, surfer Billy Stammen, the Olympic lad, uh, back after a very long season. He's in MIQ. So we'll reflect on his year and what next year holds. Looking forward to this one too. After 10, the panel with the New Zealand Herald's Patrick McKendry and Sky Sports' uh, delightful Ravinda Hunia. We could talk fight sports all uh, day, Ravi and I. At 10.30, the Super Samoan, the Kiwi that changed the face of the fight game. Mark Hunt talks about his new movie and his life and what's happening next year. That comes, I think it's February next year, the movie uh, The Fight of His Life comes out. I've seen the trailer. It looks magnificent. After 11, Ali Martin, the chief cricket correspondent from the Guardian newspaper, all about their second Ashes test uh, at Adelaide. It's a ping pong test. Remember that one. Plus, Stumped and Mount Rushmore today, your favourite four fighters, regardless of style. All right, and let's remember right now, you call me any time between now and midday. You call me. Don't do texts. Like calls. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. And you could win that free fight pass to watch Parker Chisora 2 on Sunday morning thanks to Sky Sport Now. So all you're going to do is call about anything we are talking about, what's been going on in Breakfast with Baz and Izzy this morning, and you could be a winner. You'll be win-win chicken dinner, 0800 150811. But let's get going, shall we, this Tuesday morning? UFC 269 was a stunner. I mean, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, didn't we? Uh, the Pena win over Nunes, the Oliveira win over Poirio, and also a young Kiwi called Kai Cara France, that first run win against Cody Garbrandt, and he joins us now from Las Vegas. Uh, Kai, tell me, the way that fight turned out, was that the way you wanted it to play out? Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I just realised it for so long, and I knew eventually um, we were trying the shot. Someone, um, you know, let's cut him down. It's, it's never a, not always a good, good move when um, I guess we've been a bit, a bit vulnerable in the previous fights, and um, you know, taking a big shot. So I knew eventually I'd find the shot. Uh, we found it 
earlier than expected, but um, yeah, when I dropped in and, and um, hit the floor, I knew it was the beginning of the end. So I just had to stay calm, hit my shot, stay calculated, and then yeah, eventually we could uh, put him away. So pretty, yeah, more than more than happy to pilot the credits. You know, a lot of people cutting me out, a lot of people um, you know doubting me, but that just fuels the fire. And um, you know, look what happens. You get a lot. The thing is, it's even more about me. I don't know the media pressure uh, what is the face-off. And what about Sean? He's trying to get into uh, you know, a fight with someone else. But he should have, should have been worried about the fight with me. So that's what happened. Kai, what impressed us most was your patience. I mean, you, okay, you did it 321 in the first round. But you just, you were waiting. I mean, you, you were obviously prepared to wait for the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we work on. You've got to be controlled in the chaos. And, and uh, I knew... I didn't. I, I I knew a few um, ways that he would approach the fight. You know, come out game guns blazing, or, or say uh, reserve the gas tank and, and try to counter shot. So that that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to draw it out of me. So that's why I had to dictate the pace and take send her the control. Uh, her the ring and have control. Uh, but yeah, you know, I've been in the sport so long. I told everyone it's my time, and and um, you know, just like they're coming. Uh, all the pressure was on Cody. You know, he's the one that dropping down. You know, all these new things and him um, being at this lighter weight class, uh, coming off a few losses. You know, trying to uh, I guess have uh, his last crack at uh, I guess re- re- uh, revising his career. And um, you know, I just showed that you can't just drop down and you know, jump into the title title fight uh, eliminator. So um, yeah, I, I'm glad I. I uh, stopped and uh, made a statement on such a big card. It was a hell of a big statement. If it had needed to go to the ground, were you comfortable? Ah, yeah. There, there was no sweat on the ground with Cody. You know, that's not his style. He's, um, you know, he's a standing band kind of fighter, and he's a volume and, and um, heavy puncher. That's, that's what he does. So he's got one of the best boxing, best boxing in uh, the UFC. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm on another level now. And, uh, a lot of people, yeah, were counting me out, and that just filled, filled the whole week. I was just like, I'm focused, you know, I'm, I'm ready for anything, and uh, he, he wasn't. He was just um, thinking he was just going to run for me and, and uh, you know, try to take over this division. So, um, yeah, uh, it was satisfying, and, and um, just, just I, knew, I know I'm one of the best in the world, and uh, I just showed that. Do you think people don't think you can do it because you're not the tallest bloke around? I mean, you are, you're around five four, five five, and and physically, Cody is a, looked a lot strong, bigger, right? So, where do you think you get them? Where do you think you confuse people as to your ability? Um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. Yeah, you know, I've got eleven knockouts on my record. Um, you know, I've got uh, a lot of. A lot of uh, knockouts in my highlight reel, and um, it's just deceptive, you know. It's not about the height or, or weight advantage. It's about accuracy. It's about precision, and it's about staying calm and finding that shot. And, uh, you know, that's what we do. That's why I'm one of the best in the world. I've got the eye for it, you know. You, you've got to have that eye. Um, we talk about it in the gym all the time. It's pretty kickboxing, yeah. I mean, um, things are chaotic and things are, you know, intense um, and and. Yeah, you're getting tired. You gotta always have your eyes. We're all always gotta be looking what's next, what's coming next. Um, second, third, um, third. You gotta be, you know, get, get the head. So, um, yeah, the eyes more than ready for anything. Um, last night, 
And uh, I just felt real calm in that. I didn't feel uh, any pressure. And yeah, in those moments, that's all the difference is um, you can control control um, the emotions and, and control things that they can. And uh, I guess let go of everything else. Um, yeah, when it all works out, it's something beautiful. And I'm uh, just so happy to put a smile on everyone's faces back home in New Zealand. And, um, you know, I know all my, my family and whanau were, were watching and, you know, they're off on their feet screaming and, you know, just forgetting about anything that's going on in their lives and for that 15 minutes we're focusing on, you know, the enjoyment and happiness that they get from, from me winning. Because when I win, we win. And, um, you know, that means everything to me. Has this been a gradual change or has this been something you've worked on specifically over the last six months? This calmness, this this huge amount of confidence I could hear in your voice. Yeah, we, we've definitely worked on this. This is not something that you, you um, get into overnight. You know, coming over to Vegas and you know, making a statement on, on the biggest card, on one of the biggest packages and the last packages for the year. You know, it's not, um, this isn't, it isn't something that just happens overnight. So yeah, it would work, definitely have to work on this. Um, you know, but this, this just comes down to my um, my ability to adapt under pressure, yeah, and um, you know, always just asking asking more, um, more out of myself, um, and that just comes from my coaches and, and um, my family and friends that um, I'm, I'm surrounded around, and uh, they just have me. So you know, when you train the world world champions and, and you know the standard that um, yeah. that they're at, you know, that trickles down, and you know where you need to be. So yeah, I just I just uh, really focus on. You know, everything that I can control, especially being in a lockdown. You know, my, my most of my camp is you know, out of my garage. <laughs> um, training out of, uh, uh, yeah, training out of the garage and doing what I can with all the pills and sandings and, um, you know, so many adversity, uh, obstacles I had to work around. You know, people don't realize that. I forget about, oh, he's in Vegas now. He must have, uh, you know, had a great camp with his gym. I didn't have any of my, um, my memory routine. Like my gym was closed <laughs> for the last four, four months, so. Uh, very difficult to, to even just get here. So um, that's why when, when, I, when I stepped in that ring, um, I had so much more drive because I knew what I did come from yeah. and what I, I did again. And, uh, yeah, working with uh, you know, our breathing coach, um, you know, he's, he's a game changer. David Wood, working with my um, uh, sports psychologist, David Mead. You know, but Eugene, our uh, uh, yeah, head coach, he's the glue that put it all together. He's the, um, you know, the mad scientist that um, comes up to game plans, but it's a collective input. You know, he's, he's got other coaches that he feeds up, you know, like our starting coach, Coach Chris, Mike Andrew, uh, Andrew. So many um, you know, intelligent men that um, have an input, and um, you just see the body of work in, in um, what I did last night. It's just uh, the preparation that goes into it. There's so much more than, than just, uh, I guess, combat training. But you've got to be, every facet of martial arts has got to be, your, you know, your, your lifestyle. So, um, now, now you're looking at you know what happens, and um, you just focus, and you just um, whatever obstacles are on your way, you just um, no excuses, just, just get the work done. And, you know, look what happens, you know, look off all the boxes. There's uh, no doubt in your mind. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm the best in the world. When you jumped up on the top of the octagon, were you yelling at Dana White to give you the winner of Morena Division? Yeah, yeah, I did. Give me the title shot next. You know, you close, close my son to food, so you got to tell him. And then I said, uh, I said, oh, my son's here. I mean, you mind my old son's here. Um, yeah, he gave bonus to do, do pretty good um, as well. So, uh, but, yeah, I'm glad I got the bonus. He told me good night. And, uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was 
with that. It's the best feeling in the world, jumping on top of that cage, just <laughs> screaming, like, this is my time. You know, I was saying they're all weekend, and um, yeah, now they're listening. So, Kai, what's the plan now? I mean, I, I heard you mention in your post-fight interview that your family were over and you were staying with the hookers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family's over here. Um, well, my, my wife and my son um, were staying. They were, they were staying at Dan um, on fight week while I was in the fighters hotel. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually just packing up at that moment and heading back to Dan the next week. Um, we're going to go to Hawaii for Christmas and New Year's. And then um, I've got a nice few spots in the Dan. Um, back in New Zealand, so nice to know we can come back home. But thanks to New Zealand sport, and um, yeah, we'll be back in this in a month. So it's nice to be able to travel and do everything normal again. Because um, over here, you know, everything's back to normal. They do have you know vaccine passes and and all that. So um, yeah, it's nice when it all works out. We can go uh, go and celebrate and just be normal. Well, it was a nice Christmas present for us MMA fans because that's your back-to-back wins in 2021. When do you think the UFC puts you back in the octagon with a title shot? Or are you going to have to go another route? Um, you know, I'll, I spoke to Dana after the fight and I said, you know, give me the title shot and he said, we'll talk. So, you know, that's always a good thing when the boss wants to have a chat and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll sit down with my coaches and we'll come up with uh, a game plan of what's next. Um, but, you know, we're... It's good when the ball's in your court and you can kind of negotiate because you know, no other flow is doing what I'm doing. I, knew that, I know they would have given the title shot to Cody if he would have got past me, but um, you know, I've just showed that I'm, I'm the number one contender for um, They can't deny the title shot, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, 2022 is going to be a great year, going to be a busy year. You know, I want to stay on the phone with them and, and um, yeah, I want to bring that title back home. Do the mahi, do the mahi, get the uh, treats, eh? That's it, mate. And get three more titles that I've Mate, congratulations. Uh, happy Christmas. Enjoy Hawaii, and we'll see you in the, in the new year. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. 9.16, there he was, Kai Kara France on the back of his uh, impressive, what was it, three minutes and 21 seconds into the first round. Uh, the one thing that really fascinated me was the fact about the how confident he is, that he is the best in the world, uh, and, and, and also the fact that his lifestyle, and you look after your lifestyle, you move in, and that's the way it rolls. We'll get some thoughts on that from Mike Angove, the chief striking coach for the Chinese Performance Institute for the UFC in just a moment. It's 9.17 on summer days on SNZ. Okay. Naughty card to play. Been told off. Nah. <laughs> but I think, no, genuinely, I think that's why they want it, they, they'll take it offshore because they understand the amount of money the government's put into the whole COVID thing in the last two years. You know, there are, there are big markets offshore yep. that are willing to pay for it. And our best so, chance to win is to get that money from overseas and come, go overseas. Yeah, you, can't, you cannot defend successfully here if you don't have that moolah. It's as simple as that. Wow, that got a little... That, that, wow, that escalated quickly. It's uh, 9.29. By the way, if uh, Trudy's just sashayed in at once. She loves to sashay in. Uh, just a note, if you want to win a fight pass courtesy of Sky Sport Now to watch Parker Jazora 2 this coming Sunday morning... Get on the blower now, okay? Get on the blower. That's the phone, you know, that thing you pick up and talk into. 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811. Call of the day. And I, I, I want to hear from you because talk about anything sport. That's what we're about, right? We're sport radio. 
and you'll win that fight pass courtesy of Sky Sport. Now, Parker Jazora, I think it starts around 7 a.m. You can book on Sky Arena, but if you don't have, if, you, if you're a Sky customer, but if you're not, just go and book on Sky Sport now, and then you can stream it off your phone into your big screen or whatever. So, pretty straightforward. It is that simple. 39.95. It should be an absolute cracker too. Remembering that Joseph Parker won back in May, March, May, April, May, uh, on a points decision, got knocked down in seven seconds into that first round. We 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 spoke to him yesterday. So uh, uh, to say the least. Anyway, it is uh, 9.37. Oh, Greg's on. Hey, Greg, how are you? Wasn't expecting this, Stephen, but anyway, how yeah, are you? Be very good. Yeah, so how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. How what, are you? Yeah, good. What's on your mind? I just heard your promo about the Chisora uh, Parker fight this Sunday. So you just want to ring me and say, can I be in the draw without even having any contribution to the show? <laughs> Oh, no, actually, I, 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 uh, I'm probably going to go against the grain here. I hope Parker gets sat on his backside, to be fair. But, um, How yeah, unpatriotic of you. <laughs> I know, I know. Why, why is that, bud? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just it's the, 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 the chances that guy's had when he's been put in the ring um, reminds me a little bit of the David Tua days where he's almost like afraid to throw the big punches. Okay, so that's a, re- that's a no. That's a really good point you make because yesterday he said live here on SNZ Summer Days that that is the one thing they've been working on. They've been working on getting on with it. He admitted he admitted that he didn't finish Jazora off, and the one thing that will you will see this time around is he will finish him off given the chance. So I hope we prove you wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've heard this all before. And that, I mean, to be honest, that's why I'll tune in, because I, I want to see him throw those punches. I believe uh, Joseph's got the, got the talent. All got right. The He's got the size. Let's, let's see him throw those gloves. Good man. Give it. Give me some attitude, Greg. You're in the draw, buddy. Keep listening till midday. We could ring you back, and you could win that Sky Sport Now free pass. Thanks, but Have a great day. It's 9.32, a little bit late, but here's Trudy. on Summer Days on Tuesday, the 14th day of December 2021 with Stephen McIver. Time to hit the water. And if you're a surfer, and you know what, I've always wanted to be a surfer. And a friend of mine once said, when you you are a surfer, you you are in the best place in the world when you sit out amongst, in the ocean with your mates, sitting on your board, and just waiting for that wave. It's the most tranquil place in the world to be. And maybe Olympic surfer Billy Stearman, who joins us now from MIQ, will agree to me. Is, is that right, Billy? Sitting, waiting for that, a wave is the most tranquil place to be? It is. It's very peaceful. Um, at times, it can be scary. Um, but, yeah, I enjoy every moment in the ocean. You know, it's very fr- refreshing and uh, you feel alive and it's your own, your own little uh, quiet time, I guess. Do you, do you think it's in some way zen-like, a bit spiritual, because, and that's why you love surfing so much? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you never know what the ocean's going to throw at you. So um, it's always changing and, and all the conditions are always different, you know, and all the oceans feel different. So, um, yeah, I, I love the ocean and I love the power of it and, and all the emotions it throws at you. So I guess, yeah, that's, that's what keeps me coming back. What was the scary part, dangling your toes in the water waiting for a nibble? <laughs> no, I've just been in Hawaii uh, the last month and um, there's some really big waves over there, very testing conditions. So, um, it's good to put yourself amongst that and, um, you know, push your abilities a bit. But, um, yeah, at times it can be very scary. <laughs> that, that was the last event for you on the Challenger Tour. Am I right where you made the quarters? Yes, that's correct. Um, I've been away for uh, almost four months now, and um, that was the last event of my Challenger Series event. Uh, and I came away with the quarterfinals, which I'm stoked with. And, 
uh, yeah, in my season pretty well. So, okay, so what does that mean now going forward for you? I mean, it was top 40 in the Challenger Series. Uh, is that, is that, that's not enough to go to the main game, is it? Because you got, what, top 15, if I'm correct? Yeah, um, so I had to finish basically, yeah, top 12 uh, yep. uh, Challenger Series um, competitors to make it to the World Championship Tour. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't make that. Um, it's been a crazy year. Uh, this last trip, you know, traveling to America and France and Portugal and, and Hawaii to finish my trip off has been um, a pretty crazy trip, um, to say the least. You know, we had to do so many things to travel, but um, I'm stoked with um, the quarterfinals and the top 40. Um, but it means I pretty much have to reset for next year and, and do, it all, do it all again to try and make that World Championship Tour. Let's wind the clock back a little bit, right? Because you made your <laughs> Olympic debut because it was the first time the the Olympics uh, brought surfing. But I just want to stop and pause for a moment. I think it's 10 years ago now, a seminal moment in your life. You're 22 and you beat up on Kelly Slater. How did that <laughs> – let's, hey, take it, mate, take it. How did that, how did that change the way you looked at your sport? And you? Um, yeah, I guess it kind of put in perspective that anyone is beatable um, in, uh, in any conditions. You know, I, I was at Margaret River. I was 21, 22 at the time, and I'd just started my qualifying series events, and um, that was the, obviously the biggest heat I've ever had in my whole career, pretty much. And um, I had nothing to lose. You know, I was the least uh, nervous I've ever been. Um, I was coming up against a world champion and I was just this kind of underdog from New Zealand and no one kind of knew who I was. So um, it was the most calm I've ever been in the heat and I, and I kind of proved to a lot of people that um, anything is possible. Um, and after that, I kind of, yeah, it kind of just molded my career to what it is now, you know, sponsorship and, and my confidence and, and putting my self-belief in my abilities and um, yeah, everything kind of steamrolled. There was a little bit of a hiccup in my career uh, with a few things that happened, lots of sponsorship, mum passing away, but then I kind of brought myself back into reality and, and worked for what I wanted and became an Olympian for the first time this year. So I'm very proud of my uh, achievements this year and, and previous years, so uh, hopefully next year is going to be even better. For me, it always looks like a cool and groovy sport. You know, you know you're, the, you're out surfing and you, you've got magnificent fans that flocked in you in exotic places. But in reality, <laughs> Billy, tr- it's, it's actually really tough if you're not on the main game, right? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, a lot of people, everyone sees the, the good side of um, what we do. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's an amazing sport and an mm. amazing um, career that we have. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of um, time away from home. It's very expensive um, if you don't have sponsorship, um, and it's a lot of training and, and you know dedication and, and sacrifices you have to make to um, actually crack the championship tour. And there's only uh, 34, I think, that can make the world championship tour. So um, yeah, I've been doing the world qualifying series events for a while now, and I still believe I can make the, cha- uh, the championship tour. So. Um, yeah, obviously I'll make some more sacrifices and work hard for my goals and um, hopefully 2022 I'll be able to crack that championship yeah, tour. See, for, for me, not really. Un- I know surfing, we don't understand the, the nuances of surfing. How does one get better at the game? Um, I think mentally and physically. Um, obviously you've got to adapt to the conditions as well. Uh, you've always got to progress your surfing like a lot of airs these days and, yeah. and big turns and um, you've got to have a whole variety of manoeuvres uh, when you're competing. Um, but I think it's a lot of, you know, mental strength and, and physical strength these days. You look at Italo Ferreira, Gabriel Medina, 
Um, they're also self-driven and, and they believe in themselves wholeheartedly and they also train like animals. So um, I think Mick Fanning kind of changed the way in that kind of scene um, and kind of, you know, paved the way for um, a lot of surfers to become a lot healthier athletes. Um, and I think it's kind of paying off, yeah, with the likes of, you know, Gabriel Medina, John Florence and, and Italo and people like that. So. Yeah, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. <laughs> what, do, what do you mean he paved way for a for service to become a lot healthier athletes? What does that suggest? Well, the boys on the turps well, before a night before is that was that the <laughs> traditional thing? Get on, get on, get on the Coronas and then get out there and, and have a crack. And the next day, I, I think I think previous years like um, before that kind of era of Mick and and Joel and stuff like we had Andy and and stuff like that, you know, you've, you might have seen his documentaries, there was a lot of partying and stuff in between events <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of living life to the fullest. But I think Mick Fanning came along and, and trained so hard and, and kind of won a world title after that. And I think he kind of changed the way people, um, you know, took surfing seriously. Um, and I think it's kind of paid off for the best for sure. Um, I think the, the longevity of a surfing athlete is longer now for, for that. Um, so, which gives me more hard as well. Well, you're thirty. You're thirty-two, <laughs> but, uh, right? You're you're, yeah. you're you're a married man. Have yeah. you have you got kids? No, I don't. Do not have kids, but yeah, I've got married. I've got some uh, fur animals. <laughs> Fur babies, fur babies. Oh, we all, hey, I've got fur babies too. You've got you to love the fur babies. They, uh, surfing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. surfing at the Olympics, when you talk about moments yeah. in your life that you remember and representing your country in a sport that you love, that one for you? That, yeah, that is by far my biggest achievement. I Just you saying that brings back memories of me walking um, at the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympic Games. It just gives me goosebumps every time I see that. And then being announced at the beach, um, you know, representing New Zealand on the biggest sta- sporting stage ever um, is a huge achievement for me. Um, obviously, I had a huge goals of, of getting a medal and bringing that home for New Zealand. But, um, yeah, I'm super proud of just being a part of that um, journey and being one of the first, you know, um, surfers ever to compete in the Olympic Games. What was Chiba like to surf at? <laughs> uh, I've actually been to Chiba a couple of times and, and I've had a couple of really good results there before. Um, I've had a third place in a World Qualifying Series event, but uh, I like the area. The, way, the waves are pretty stormy, um, but, you know, it can be really flat. So I think, like, the month before, the whole month was flat completely before the event started and then all of a sudden there was a crazy cyclone that came up the coast. So we were very fortunate to actually have waves. Um, so I think everyone was really excited to have just some sort of um, waves in front of us, even though it was pretty stormy and, and tricky conditions. It was um, really exciting to have um, surf. So it was, it was so much fun. I enjoyed every moment of it. It was crazy. <laughs> how, how divorced were you from the rest of the New Zealand team? Because the one thing when I speak to Olympians who are there for the first time, they talk uh, in spades about that team environment that, that New Zealand yeah. are able to encapsulate. Yeah, it was unbelievable, to be honest. Um, I thought, you know, surfing being quite a new sport, you know, would, would uh, kind of be away from everyone because the surfing was quite far away from the village and, and other sports. But um, Team New Zealand honestly welcomed us with open arms and supported us wholeheartedly. Um, and I'm so thankful for the whole NZ team for that and all the other athletes as well. You know, we're all there for each other, no matter what sport you are in, no matter where you are from in New Zealand, you're, you're there as a team, you know, so everyone had each other's backs and, and you could really feel, feel the manner over there and, 
and all the love and support and even from people at home was just unbelievable and obviously it was a new sport and it was really exciting around the game so just to be a part of that and, and to be a part of the New Zealand team was very humbling and, and very exciting as well. So back back home, when do, when do you get out of when do you get out of jail? MIQ. When's that? Not too far away. <laughs> yeah. So this is the third time I've done it this year. But um, oh, wow. yeah, I, I get out on Friday. I've got a South Isolate for three days, and then I'm allowed out. How is, and you're in, uh, you're I'm in Regan's, right? You're in Regan. How are you going to self isolate? Looking at the waves, going, <laughs> I want to be out there. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty hard, but. Um, yeah, I'll do what I need to do. I've got my, like I said, I've got my little animals at home. Wifey won't be there for a few days, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be at home by myself, which will, which will be the main thing. I'll be at my own home. I need you to confirm one thing for me because I, I always get this wrong, and I know uh, others that live in a ring. Is it, a, is it the best left or right hand break in the world considered? It's, it's a, the best left hand point break. Okay, now you took it to another level. The best left-hand point break. Billy, it is so nice to talk to you. Thanks thanks for being such a good sport and and representing our country with with an enormous amount of pride. Uh, Have a really cool Christmas. Get out in the waves, and maybe we'll talk to you ahead ahead of 2022 and see what the, the tour looks like, okay? Yeah, cheers for the call and thanks heaps for the support. Much love to everyone. Merry Christmas and New Year's to everyone. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate the time, Billy Stearman, uh What a, what a cool ca- what a cool dude. Right, what a lovely fellow. Raglan, best left hand point break. I finished ninth in the Olympics, if I'm correct. Which, when you think about the Olympics, right, the Everest of sporting competitions, if if that's how you look at it, ninth in the world. For our 32-year-old, he's a shorty too. I didn't realise how short he was. I was sort of the photo of him, and he's, the board's bigger than he is. <laughs> but interesting to know what he said too was the fact that uh, to get better now, you could actually uh, change it up and a lot more air. You know, they're spinning in the air and doing tricks and things like that. So what a cool guy. 9.46 on summer day mornings. Hey, get on the phone now. 0800 150811. 0800 150811. If you want to watch Parker Jazora free. One on a Tuesday, the 14th day of December 2021 with Stephen. I've got a text in here. And Jared, if you want to text me in politely, it's Stephen. He goes, morning, Steve. Okay, so there's your burn already. But he says, I know it's a day on. Just rap that Max Verstappen won the F1 chance. To be honest, I can't stand Hamilton. Cheers, Steve. Yeah, all right, Jared. Well, if you want to talk more about that, give us a call and I can put you in the draw to win that uh, Joseph Parker, Derek Trezora fight pass thanks to Sky Sport now on 0800 150811. What we're going to do with Mount Rushmore around 9.40ish, 11.40, uh, excuse me, 11.40 this morning, is uh, John and I are going to name our four famous fighters, favourite fighters, you know, whatever fight sport it is. I can give you a clue to one of my ones because I'm wearing a T-shirt that says everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Amazing quote. Yeah, don't, don't give it away. Now, that, that, that rather baritone voice is one of our fight experts, if not the fight expert on summer days, which is Brian Rariri. He joins me now because we've got a text in uh, from Paul. He says, my top four fighters. Now, you know, so it's Roycey Grace. Hoist. Frank, Fra- what? Hoist. Well, he's put an R. How did I know it was a... Okay, so Hoisga Grace. Portuguese. Portuguese. Hola. Uh, Frank Shamrock, Baz Rutten, and Mark Coleman. Now, are they, they, I know Shamrock, so he was the, he's an original... He's an OG, right? An MMA OG. All of them. All of them are. So Hoist Gracie won the first UFC with... Uh, he's the reason Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is famous, basically. Um, really? Yeah. 
How many? I mean, we're up to UFC 269. 269. So now we're 270. Is obviously next. We're up to that. Uh, so how far back does UFC go now when you think about how long it's been going as a commercial enterprise? It was like 94, wasn't it? 94. Yeah, 1994. Wow. Okay. So, and now Sham- Shamrock's a legend, right? Yep. There's two Shamrocks. Oh, have I got the wrong Shamrock? Nope. Nope. They're both oh, legends. It's Ken, it's Ken. Ken is and it? Frank, brothers, I, both I, uh, legends. Right. So I was thinking Ken Shamrock. Yep. So is Frank the first, uh, the first OG? Uh, no, no. The same time, same time. Frank was also a champion as well. Okay. All right. Okay. And from your understanding, has it changed much? The style. Oh, heck of a lot. It's, uh, for me, I, I see more stri- stand-up now, more stand-up punching. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's that brawl rather than the on, on more, ground and pound. Um, they're more educated of stopping the takedowns. So they stop takedowns now. Back then, they didn't know how to. Okay, and Baz Ruzin quickly? Oh, he's just a crazy kickboxer from uh, Dutchland. A, a Dutchland. The Glock. The Netherlands. Yes. Yeah, Cloghopper. Clog and hopper. And... <laughs> God, I'm going to be in trouble. And Mark Coleman. And Mark Coleman. He was uh, one of the greatest heavyweight uh, champions of US, in USC history. That's why you are here, Brian Rarity. There we go. Fight guy on summer days. It's 9.53. Stephen McIver. And for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.59. Trudy is not too far away with the latest in news and sport here on SENZ. On a Tuesday. Far out. Can't believe it. 11 days till Christmas. Wow. Unbelievable. Anyway, coming your way after 10 o'clock. Pretty excited about this. Going to talk to the Super Samoan, Mark Hunt, about the movie that comes out next year. Uh, really excited about this one called The Fight of His Life. Starts back from his South Auckland days about beating and beating up kids and, well, they just got into fights. And uh, then turning into a, a mega star in Japan with K1. If you remember K1 and Ray Sefer was in there as well. But Mark had they had dolls, they had dolls and all that sort of stuff. Toys, not actually women, dolls. Yeah, that, you know what I'm saying. Because um, he, I mean, he came to our life, you think about it, when he won that $1 million uh, for the K1 champion. So the Super Samoan comes your way after 10 o'clock this morning here on SENZ. And the panel, looking forward to this too, Patrick McKendry from the New Zealand Herald and a good friend of mine uh, from Sky Sport who loves the fight game and can punch too because I've seen her in a charity fight. Uh, Ravinda Hunia, we both work out of the gym called the box office and how, man, you never want to get in an argument with Ravinda. She's got a left rip like you wouldn't believe because I've done pad work with her. Ouch is all I can say. So Patrick McKendry, Ravinda Hunia in the panel first up after 10 here on Summer Day on SNZ. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 10.03 on Summer Days with Stephen McIver. Looking forward to this panel this morning. It's ladies first. It's good morning to Ravinda Hunia. Hi, Ravi. Morena, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. And from the New Zealand Herald, Patrick McKendry. G'day, buddy. G'day, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, good. Okay, so Patrick, question for you this morning. Do you have a left or right hook or a rip in your arsenal? Uh, not really, no. I have an occasional <laughs> pretty sloppy jab. And that's the extent of it. A sloppy jab. Okay, so just just a warning now. You get in the way of Ravinda Hunia and you make her angry. She's got one of the best left rips and hooks going around because I've been on the end of it, okay? (laughs) Just to let you know, that's how we set it up today, all right? 
I'm standing back. <laughs> okay, Intimidation. let's... Intimidation. No, oh, hey, don't you start. Don't you start. You don't get in his face so early, Ravi. All righty, let's, let's get on with this one. Big fight this weekend. It's Parker Jazora too. Uh, it's ladies first. Did you just talk to Joseph the other night or last night? I did indeed, yesterday. Um, had a good chat with him, actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I was impressed. I spoke to him yesterday as well uh, here on The Mornings. The one thing I got out of this one, and Raven, and you can follow on from this, Patrick, as Raven, is that I, I, he looks like he's he's now knows to f- how to finish someone off or feels he can finish someone off. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the more time he spends in that Tyson Fury camp under new coach trainer Andy Lee, the more that this confidence is going to build. I mean, how can you not, you know, get that winning mentality, that that smell for blood when you're in the company of greatness, really, with with Tyson Fury in in his midst? But I think um, in terms of finishing the fight, yes, that would be amazing for his career. I think it's probably well needed for him at this point. But I think right now, one of the most important things that he really needs to show is that evolution and Mm. what he is actually learning and taking in from this new camp. Patrick? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I can't disagree with any of that. I think he's he's plateaued, hasn't he? Um, and we've seen that over the last four or five fights. Um, and so he needs to he needs to, sh- to show something. I've actually spoken to him recently as well. He gave me a ring the other day. Uh, we were both watching that um, Oh, that he, event, gave, he gave um, you a ring, did he? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just, sorry, wow. Just, just dropping a wee name. Wow, a little one-up <laughs> um, one and going on here. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think there's this genuine excitement from him and throughout his camp that he is ready to put on a pretty good performance. And when, when I say pretty good, I mean uh, something that we haven't seen for a wee while from Joe, um, you know, which would obviously be great for him and, and all his many supporters around the world. Um, so yeah, there is excitement there. I think, um, as Ravi said, he's he's thrived uh, in Tyson Fury's camp. He's also, I think, probably thrived um, training next to David Naika, who mm-hmm. uh, obviously prepares pretty well, as as we, call, we as we can all see when he takes his shirt off. He's a he's a fairly well prepared uh, young man. <laughs> you, and so you um, and John Day, yeah. he said the same thing to me yesterday. Oh wow, he's he's ripped. He's ripped. Oh my gosh, you two, what's well, going on? It's just a fact. Really. Man love. Man love. So, cool. um, yeah, yeah. And so, look, I, I think, I think Joe, uh, I think he has the weapons in his arsenal and the mentality and the conditioning to stop Trezor on Sunday morning. Okay, there is one area that I have always been concerned of, and we've all look. The three of us have watched a, a ton of boxing, right? But I've always been, I've always been nervous about Joe's defense, and I'll go to you first on on, on this one, Patrick. Always susceptible to the overhand right. He always keeps that left a bit low. Hundred percent, and what do you know? And uh, that and that fight against Chisora in May, uh, within the within the first ten seconds, Chisora throws an overhand right, catches Joe, and, da- and down he goes. And I thought, oh, that, that, yeah. that does not look good. But uh, you know, fortunately for him, he, he fought back and and sort of got the better and controlled it. But he is, you're right, he does, he is susceptible to the overhand right. And you know, you'd have to assume that he's been working on that under Andy Lee, who's a very very yeah, I think I think he likes the uh, Ravi the the low key approach. The one thing he said to me uh, was, uh, the, Andy Lee quickly identified uh, that he has lapses in rounds. He he just he just you know, buttons out. You can't you but you can he can't afford to button off. No, that's right. And when you mention about that that overhand right and dropping hands and things like that, it's all about movement, isn't it? And he said that you know he came into the 
into the camp thinking, you know, his his cardio is pretty pretty all right. And he didn't know cardio until he got into that camp. And he says Andy Lee's really been kicking his butt in terms of his legs. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, him getting out of the way of those shots as well as the head movement because I think he kind of relied on that rather than taking his feet with him in a lot of instances. So it'll be interesting to see how mobile he'll really be in this fight. Yeah, I think we've got to be mindful that, you know, we're all very critical of Joseph because he's one of us, right? And uh, we, mm. we are hard. It's a bit like, you know, following the All Blacks. You, you expect something to happen all the time. When it doesn't happen, we we jump on it. But, but the question I still have to ask, Rav, is do we think he can be a world champion again? Well, I think anybody can if they really, really want to. No, do, do, you, do you think he can? Oh, yes, I can. I yeah. can. Because I, I believe that any fighter with that mindset who is going to make all these changes in their life, in their camp, move to the other side of the world and train with the absolute best is showing you know me, a boxing fan, that they want to get to the top again. And he had to make these changes. He had to make these moves in order to get there. There's no excuses now. It's all there in front of him. It's up to him to take it. Patrick, where do you stand on this? Uh, After that split decision win over Chisora in May, I think it was, I thought probably not. Um, But it comes down to opportunity and it comes down to how you take that opportunity as well. Um, I I think, you know, we'll learn a lot more this weekend. But, you know, given the way the heavyweight division is sort of tracking at the moment, I think it's a possibility in terms of that opportunity, yes. I do, and um, you know, if he fought someone like Joe Joyce, which is a, which is a possibility, you know, maybe even next. I mean, that would be a massive fight. I think that would be quite a good matchup for him, and I think even Usyk, you know, the champ, yeah. uh, would be quite a good matchup for Joe too. So, um, it's about the opportunity and about um, seizing the opportunity. So, yes, I do think it's a possibility. Okay, well, you sort of sat on the fence a little bit there, but I'll, I'll take that one, Patrick. <laughs> but but the interesting thing, though, but when you brought up Usyk, I thought it was worth noting that Joe, like Usyk, they're not big. Joe's big, but he's not a big, big. He's not a Dillian White. He's not a Tyson Fury. Where, as we have seen in the last three or four years, big men trying to dominate this this division. Yeah. Uh, I, I will be really intrigued to see how that one goes forward. By the way, you are listening to the panel with Ravinda Hunia from Sky Sport and... Uh, Patrick McKendry from the New Zealand Herald. If you want to win a pass, a fight pass, courtesy of Sky Sport now, just watch that fight free. Give us a call. Just get on the blow now. That's your cue to call, as we say. That's what you do in music radio. That's your cue to call. 0800 150811. We'll talk about Kai Kara France in a minute because I want to talk about this news this morning. Uh, and I'll go to you first on, on this one, Patrick. Joe Schmidt, All Black Selector, stuff uh, uh, got the exclusive on this one, yeah. I am told. Did they beat you to the punch? But we won't we won't worry about that. Is, is that... Is, is it a definite, buddy? Is it a definite? Yeah, look, it is. Uh, my my colleague Gregor Paul has been working on this. Uh, <laughs> I actually heard about it um, from someone else on Saturday, so it's been sort of in the mix. Obviously, a few people have known about it, but uh, you know, good on stuff for breaking it late last night. Um, it, it's happening, and uh, you know, you've got to say that it's going to be pretty positive for the All Blacks, given how they went uh, this year and last year as well. So, um, yeah, I think Joe's going to bring obviously a new perspective he's going to be uh, he's going to replace Grant Fox as a selector but I think his brief is going to be slightly wider than that he's going to be sort of talking strategy and analysis and uh, analyzing mm. opposition teams too which you know when you look at it um, these northern hemisphere teams are going pretty good and so I think he'd be the perfect guy to offer a bit of insight about them and, and how the all-bass can potentially improve and uh, you know make things a bit easier for themselves what about you Ravi Oh, when I read this news, well, this morning when I saw it, I thought, oh, brilliant. 
I mean, the All Blacks, they're going through their review of 2021, and like you already said, we expect greatness from a side like the All Blacks. So to, to look at how results went, you know, this tour, and to look at trying to rectify that, who better than Joe Smith? He's one of our own and has so much insight on the world stage and in that part of the world that it can only benefit the All Blacks. So it's great to see that they've, they've acted on it and, and, and bringing in a pro like Joe. Was the year really that bad, Ravi, for the All Blacks? No, no, <laughs> no but we expect it, don't we? <laughs> yeah, but this this what I'm saying, Patrick. We, we get all wound up about the ABs, and, I mean, you know, it's been a crazy old time, but when you break down their results, I mean, yeah, you lose a couple, but my word, uh, I'm, I'm not fussed. You? Oh, me, look, look, firstly, what I would say is that this, this isn't necessarily a knee-jerk reaction from the All Blacks to bring in Joe. I think Ian Foster's been wanting to have him on board for a long time and probably for last year as well, but Joe just hasn't been ready, you know, following his stint with Ireland, which took a lot out of him. And so he, he has been someone that, that uh, Ian Foster had earmarked for a long time. Now it's finally coming to fruition, which is, you know, fantastic for everyone. But look, um, I, I just think that the, the, the opposition teams opened a few cracks last year and, you know, they were widened this year in many respects by, you know, not only the spring box, but also, uh, you know, um, I'm just trying to think now, who, who do they lose to? Ireland France, and France. And obviously, and, and Ireland. Mm. Um, and both of those Northern Hemisphere teams, I think, significantly played very differently. And France played an expansive game, really, and, and they beat the All Blacks at their own game, which I think is pretty worrying. Yeah, okay, but but I'm 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 of the opinion teams are allowed to evolve. So if you are evolving and it's not working in the first term, then maybe bringing someone like Schmidt in to assist uh, Ian Foster is actually a very smart move. Oh yeah, hundred percent of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, and that's to be fair to the All Blacks, it was a long year. And they were away for a lot oh, of. Oh, stop! Please, and it, please do not say it's a long year <laughs> when you're travelling business class. You're in five star hotels. Everything is pre-planned out, and just because you're away from yeah. mummy doesn't mean it's tough. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm being genuine here. I do. I'm calling BS on that. Well, sorry, I wouldn't know about flying business class or staying in five. Well, there you go. But, but there you go. But that's what I'm but, saying. We can't use that as an excuse. <laughs> we can't use it as an excuse, but I think that is a mitigating factor. And I don't think we can deny that. I can't. I can't deny it. Oh, okay. Well, okay. You can, you can go soft on them. I'm not going to go soft on them, Patrick. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Kai Car France. I see on your your very busy little Instagram page, Ravinda, that you have already spoken mm-hmm. to Kai Car France. We spoke to him this morning, so we're all you know, we're following each other's footsteps. Uh, I like <laughs> I, I like this guy. I and I like his yeah. attitude when he talked talk to us about being centered and, and keeping the eye on the eye and you know keeping his his focus. I, I was really impressed by him. Exactly, and. You know, I've been following him since before he came into the UFC and the growth that he has had, you know, not only as a fighter but as a person has just gone tenfold, especially in that interview. So granted, you know, when you talk to a fighter after a win, you're going to get the best out of them. But the way he went into that fight, the way he conducted himself, he, you know, even feeling somewhat disrespected um, by Cody and the hype behind his opponent, Cody Garbrandt, he was still very respectful. So it goes to show that he's really growing as a person, as a fighter, and I think we're seeing the results of that now. Man, for a little guy, Ravi, he's got a hell of a punch, though, right? 
Oh, people underestimate it, eh? You know, he can lift. He lifts really blimmin' heavy. He's a strong man. And I think once he gets into the into the octagon and his opponents feel that power, I think they're kind of taken aback. And, you know, Cody doesn't have the strongest of chins anyway, but I think, you know, he was he was totally caught off guard by Kai's power. The envy in that statement. He can really blimmin' heavy. The envy. The envy coming out of your paws about lifting big weights. Come on, girl. Uh, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> One day. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, Kai Car of France, that win against Cody, you know, was a hell of a card. Yeah. But uh, the one thing, I, I love yeah. the humility. Yeah, he's an impressive young man, isn't he? And um, he's an exciting fighter. He he strikes beautifully. His his timing and his accuracy in the way he closes the distance, and you know, um, he just completely demolished that, that, that with Cody. And and he did the same thing in his previous fight, another first round knockout. So he's he's going places, hundred percent. And the UFC is all about exciting fights and exciting fighters uh, making waves for themselves. And that, I mean that's why they have. Um, Fight, win fight bonuses in the UFC. So it's exciting times for Takara France. And, you know, he's probably not too far off from a title shot, which would be fantastic yeah. for the country, especially if it's held down here. Oh, com- okay. <laughs> there we go again. Yeah, okay. Well, let's, let's, let's just pray that the, the border thing sort of sorts itself out. It's going to be yeah. a while. Let's, let's be blunt about that. Uh, the one thing that disappoints me, just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit, is it, and Ravi, I'll go to you on this one, is that it's mm. become less on the ground and, and more stand-up, you know, trying to, a bit like sort of stand-up brawling. Yeah, and I, it's funny because the fight game goes through phases. Like, you'll see a lot of striking, you know, sometimes, and then it, it morphs again. But, you know, when you look to the tail end of that card, you know, both fights were finished um, <laughs> via spectacular submissions. But in terms of, you know, if, if you're going to go into a fight and your strength is working, you're going to run with that, right? Like, Kai Kata France knew that Cody Garbrandt doesn't have a strong chin. So once you nail him with that too, you're just going to set up a combo for yourself. So... Kai had no reason to wrestle him. He had no reason to shoot and, you know, exhaust himself that way. He could get him with a two, so that's what he did. But, yeah, I mean, you fight to your strengths, and sometimes, you know, that's just the way it goes. See, Patrick, that's why you never have an argument with Ravinda on the back of that argument, because you know if she throws (laughs) that jab, the two's going to come straight after it. Uh, Rugby awards tomorrow night on Sky, right? Uh, who Who do you give awards to this year, Patrick? Black Ferns. Which ones? Um, <laughs> Stevens. Yeah, okay. Stevens, pretty much the, well, you know, apart from the Blues, there's sort of mini resurrection. You'd have to say that the Black Fern Stevens team um, have a good news story for New Zealand rugby this year. Um, you know, not only for what they did on the field and the way they played uh, at the Olympics, but the way they carried themselves off it. I thought they were just tremendous ambassadors for New Zealand and New Zealand rugby. And <laughs> look, I'm, I'm really proud at what they did and yeah. I hope the rest of the country is too, and I'm sure they are. And I think they'll be recognised for that tomorrow. Yeah, I, I can't see anything different. Can you, Ravi? No, not at all. I think all Black Sevens, well, Black Sevens, seven, sorry, will be, I'm sure it'll be a clean sweep. Uh, it has to be. Yeah, well, I suppose <laughs> I suppose highlighted by Tokyo when Ruby Tui comes off, and I think uh, close enough to the quote was there's not enough hand sanitizer in in Tokyo to clean up that rubbish. So uh, they they are, <laughs> but they are an incredibly 
uh, strong group of women. I was very fortunate to be uh, on deck for our Olympic coverage on Sky when they won that final. And uh, my, my two guests and Tyler Wong's sister Shay, all in tears. And it gave me a greater understanding more of, the, of what culture means. I've always been a bit cynical about the word culture, but for the first time in a long time, I went, yeah, now I get it. And uh, they, they stand as a shining example of how if you get the culture right, backed, of course, by decent talent and coaching, uh, then you can move forward. Okay, one quick question. Just one quick question finally for the two of you because it's 10.20. I've got Mark Hunt, the Super Samoan, coming your way at 10.30. Is this, uh, name, your, name me your top four favourite fighters. Ravi, go. Oh, top four, that's a lot. Um, well, Katie Taylor, yeah. Clarissa Shields, Israel Adesonia, David Tua. Well, okay. Patrick? Uh, Fasil Lomachenko, um, the the lightweight who's just a wizard. Um, Oh, it's not that hard. I I, I really like the lightweight division at the moment. Um, So I like the Aussie George Kambosis. I love what he did recently. That's two. um, You know, to to, to get that title. Look, let, let's face it, um, I can't go past Joe Parker because he's a thoroughly decent human being and a okay. great fighter when he's on song. Bit of man love. Um, yep. And Tyson Fury. All right. Thank you, team. Uh, Ravinda Hooney from Sky Sport. Patrick McKendry from the New Zealand Herald. Happy Christmas, you two. Merry Christmas. Thanks, thanks, Stephen. You you're, too, mate. You're welcome. 10.21, the Super Samoa, not too far away on summer days on SENZ. 0811, if you want to win that uh, packages or a fight pass, thanks to our good friends at Sky Sport Now. G'day, Ben. G'day, how's it going? Yeah, good, man. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I was just ringing to, to have a go at uh, winning uh, the Parker fight pass, but yeah, I was just sort of uh, ringing to also say I watched a bit of a uh, Parker documentary last night. Oh, you did see and, it, fight um, back. What did you think of it? Yeah, it was really interesting. It was kind of cool. A little bit of a different perspective on on how you sort of see a person, um, especially knowing I see Joe kind of in the media and stuff quite a bit and, and on Instagram and stuff. But yeah, it definitely puts a different insight into, I guess, the family life. Everyone sort of still does the same thing, even though they're these high-profile athletes. So no, I was just sort of saying how much I enjoyed it and, and how refreshing I think it's going to be maybe seeing him with a new coach and just how excited I am for the fight. What was, it, what was your, as we say in the game, what was your biggest takeaway from it? What, what changed your mind of anything about Joe? Uh, I think um, some of it was maybe just sort of the preparation in, in, into fights. So I think there, there could be a wee bit of a change there and a maturity into sort of, you know, maybe after a fight was done, he could sort of gave himself a bit of a break. And then when the next fight was coming on, he'd sort of gear into it, where now he seems to be more focused on keeping that physique all year round. And then mm. as the fights come, then sort of move into a camp to prep from there. Um yeah. yeah, so there was just a, it was just sort of some little things that sort of you, you take out of it, really, kind of around his family life and stuff like that. No, um, that's that's yeah. good. Yeah, it was it was a nice documentary. My good friend Kerry Russell uh, uh, made the majority of it with award-winning producer director Leanne Pooley uh, in the in the mix as well. Ah. They did they did a very good uh, job of that one. Hey, mate, Ben, guess what? You're in the draw to win that fight pass. Keep listening till awesome. midday. All right. Thanks for calling on 0800 150 You can all do that anytime you like. 0800 150 Be in to win with Sky Sports. Now and the good team here at SCNZ. Ten thirty on the dot, Tuesday morning, this fourteenth of December, twenty twenty-one. And time to keep our groove on with fight sports, but this one is uh, genuine legend. 
Mark Hunt, the Super Samoan, has a movie coming out in 2022 called The Fight of His Life. It's a docu-movie about his life. And Mark joins us right now from City. Morning to you, buddy. Good morning. How are you doing, Jimmy? Man, I am good. I, I saw the trailer of this, and I instantly said to my friends, i got to watch this. It just looks like it is... It's not It's not raw. It's just real. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, it's pretty real. <laughs> Sorry, just mucking around. <laughs> So okay, let's let's talk about yeah. The one thing I want to ask you about because I want to take take a step back. Did you were you were you the the sort of kid that got into trouble and had fights on the streets and then and discovered a way that you could make a living out of this, or did someone point you in that direction saying, "Mate, you're better than this. You could make a life out of this." Yeah, back then there was no uh, uh, there was uh, wasn't a path that I thought I'd be taking uh, fighting. To be honest, so it's just something that happened uh, outside a club, and someone put me in the right direction. And it it wasn't uh, something I wanted to do for my life. I didn't want to be a fighter, to be honest. And that's the bottom, the truth about it. I never wanted to be a fighter. I think uh, the only one fighting back then in the world stage was the, the tour man in boxing. So you know. Um, Love you, son. Well, for me, being uh, taking the part of fighting was only uh, kickboxing and K1, to be honest. Um, and, um, yeah, that's about it. There was no MMA back then. Um, when, yeah. when, when, when did the whole K1 thing explode for you? Because I remember, for me, you first came to light when you, you won this $1 million prize, but you'd already been a big deal in the Japan already, right? No, actually, I did uh, on the K1 in Japan in my second. I spent my first time doing it. Uh, there was only Ray Sheffield kicking around those days. Then um, Jason Sadi, all the all the uh, Ron Sheffield, all you know, uh, mm. Jason Ramo, all those guys were kicking it in Japan at the time. Um, I think Ray was the biggest name out there, and um, I was just coming on too. What was that Japanese yeah. experience like? It was definitely like I said. I went from fighting in the thousand. 300 uh, room places to uh, 40,000 seaters, 80,000 seater uh, stadiums, to be honest. Uh, you know, they treated you like a celebrity, like a movie star. It was, it was quite crazy to me. It was surreal. Um, you know, going from an, living just a normal life even here to, to being someone over there. So it was quite, uh, it was different. What was it? Was it tough? I mean, to, to mentally adjust to suddenly going from the streets of South Auckland to uh, mega stadiums in Japan and suddenly you are the man? Yeah, correct. It was hard because the thing was, I, you know, no one knew my back end story. No one knew my life. I didn't really want to air my dirty laundry out in public, to be honest. But um, and here I am, uh, you know, getting asked all these questions about, you know, this and that, and what I like to eat. And I'm pretty just didn't know, you know, I was, I'm like a one person, uh, one word kind of person. And yes and no, and you know, <laughs> I think uh, that's what uh, intrigued the Japanese about. They intrigued. They thought I was intriguing, to be honest. So I didn't really, uh, I wasn't well versed in, in uh, speaking on shows and, and uh, PRs and stuff like that. So the, the you, you were known for the sort of the, the walk away knockdown. Was that something? Was that was that street was that street fighting coming to play? No, that was just a high level of skill. That's me, Baba. <laughs> two Baba, two Baba. No, no. <laughs> that was just uh, 
fighting experience, to be honest with you. <laughs> the, the K1 experience and that style of fighting, when did you then discover MMA, the UFC? When did you go, hang on a minute, this is something else I could excel at? Well, the, I, I won the K1 in my first attempt, the world title, and it was kind of crazy. I went uh, through a, a difficult stage afterwards, you know, being uh, ripped off by different people. And then, you know, I was asked during while I was fighting K1, you know, if I a fighter guy named Vegeta, who was a, and I thought it was talking about Dragon Ball Z because, you know, I was uh, <laughs> I was a big Dragon Ball Z fan. And that was, he was actually a fighter, an MMA fighter. I was like, what's this kind of a sport? So the money they were offering was, you know, really good. Um, you know, it was 250000 US per event. Um, and, and that was back then. That was 2000 and, um, it was actually 2000, uh, 2002, I think it was, or three. And um, yeah, I was like, wow, I'll, I'll try it out. And um, that's when I first saw it. I, I saw it, uh, you know, the Gracies um, doing MMA. And um, basically, I, I fell in love with the sport because it was a different challenge. It was... Uh, you know, um, there was something new that, it, that, that uh, was, like, really good. Because I thought I was a, a great fighter until I, you know, I went onto the ground when I met Steve Oliver, and he told me a different thing about uh, MMA. <laughs> yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, the, the, me, uh, the, the adjustment to sorry. the jiu-jitsu side, was that the biggest the biggest hurdle to cross? Yeah, it was, you know, being a, a great stand-up fighter, competitor to... You know, being schooled by Steve Oliver, you know, he was only like 90 kilograms. And I'm like, you know, I went for the first training session. His pride uh, was saying, oh, we'll pay to go train at Bass Rutten in uh, California. And I'm like, no, I'll just keep the money and go train in New Zealand. And uh, and I went and met Steve and um, through a couple of friends of mine, Brendan. And uh, he was wrestling, doing some jiu-jitsu in, in uh, Henderson there. And and I was like, just, you know, he was doing some, doing some stuff. And I said, you know, just stand up. And he goes to me. You know, you come and stand up. And for the next six weeks, she started, yeah, he was pounding me to the day. <laughs> yeah. how, how hard was that mentally to readjust? Because you'd been fighting, you know how to take a punch, but then everyone then starts coming grappling and you're going, I just want to punch him. How, how difficult was that for a fighter to adjust? It's very frustrating, especially being someone that, you know, wants to... Uh, uh, Enforced physically, you know, by hitting someone uh, with, with with striking stuff, and you can't physically do that because they're, you know they're, they're constricting you as an MMA, uh, as a jiu-jitsu player or a wrestler. It, it's really frustrating. You've just got to find different ways about it. Um, you know, I practice most of the time on the ground, uh, learning defenses. To be honest, you know, with my first coaches of uh, jiu-jitsu, Marcelo and, and Steve, and um, it was basically just uh, defending um, takedowns and defending uh, submissions. You've been a big voice against anti-doping. When did it first come to, to light to you that you were fighting guys that were juiced? Well, it wasn't just the guys. You know, I mean, I, I first spoke about it when I went to Japan. I'm like, uh, I said, to, you know, there's a whole, I walked in the boardroom full of Japanese guys and they're all wearing suits. And I'm like, you know, negotiating a deal for a contract. And they're like... Um, and on my first, one of my first questions was, what about these uh, these steroids and cheaters and these dopers? And they're like, and the whole lot of them just started cracking up. I'm like, bro, what, what, what is what is laughing about? And that's when I, I started realizing, in fight sports, to be honest, but the actual being pissed off about it was when I started competing against guys in the UFC because uh, every, it was like, I think, the second or third guy in a row 
that I got to facing that um, that nothing was done about it. It just became a no contest, and you lost out and all the time. I mean, I, I broke my hand on Bigfoot's head um, in, a, in a fight in Brisbane, and there was nothing done about it. I mean, I, you know, Dana Mason says, oh, we're going to give you a $50,000 bonus. I'm like, fuck the $50,000. I don't give a shit about that. I'm out for a whole year, and this 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 guy comes and competes before I do. It's got to be something else done about this sort of garbage because, um, and, and you know, nothing was done about it. And then, you know, then it gets into the UFC phase about the whole scenario. And then, you know, and then the, the lawsuit comes. And at the end of the day, what I was trying to do was get an even playing field. I didn't premeditate of yeah. uh, wanting to sue the company that I was working for. I wanted to get an even playing field. It was never fair these days. And people say, oh, um, they just don't, competing at the highest level it doesn't become about uh, uh, being the best fighter in the world. It becomes about the best cheater and the best and the company are covering their cheats. Do you think it's still yeah. going on? Do you think it's still going on in the UFC? Oh hell yeah! They're, they're, the company's just as corrupt as, as the people you know behind the whole thing. They're, they're the, the the shitty pay they pay their fighters. The sixteen percent it's a joke. You know you see the fighters. You know, you know, good job to, you know, the Kai and Bam and all those for winning their events. But it's sad to see them, you know, jumping for joy when they win $50,000. You know, for, for someone as high as they are in the, in the world, you should be, that should be uh, a given. Not jumping up for joy. Oh, that's just going to change my life. Dude, that, that's how bad these guys are paying these guys. They're getting cheated. So where does, uh, can I ask? Without, without a doubt. Can I ask, is the, is the, Lawsuits still active, or have you just gone? I just I, I can't afford this because it's just going to make me broke. Well, it doesn't work like that. I mean, I, if I knew that I was going to be in a, a lawsuit for six years, uh, um, I wouldn't have probably changed it. All I did was do the right thing. I said, "This isn't right. I've got to do something about it." I've asked the company to do something about it for however long and how many fights I've had. I said, "Look, man." Can you do something about this? Can I have a clause in my contract? You know, and and all I got was was a, was a wall saying, nah, nah, bro, you ain't gonna get nowhere. And I said that ain't fair. How, how can you just say, you know what the worst thing was? These 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 these, these fuckers forced me to fight. They say to me, because after I declined one guy who was on steroids, I said, nah, he's been known to cheat. He got caught. I don't want to do it. Put a clause in my contract, and um, and then and then I'll go here with a fight because I'll fight anyone. If, if these guys are known cheaters, and then they said, no, we can't, okay? So three days later, Josh Barnett pops for sewage, and I'm started laughing, goes, well, that's what you get. You guys are trying to put me in those guys that are cheating, and, and you're, not, you're not giving me a, a chance to make an even playing field. So then afterwards, you know, they give me a guy named Alistair Overman, and I said, nah, man, I don't know if I that guy. He's a steward cheater. Put in the clause of my contract, so I don't have to go through the same issue of, of, uh, of this, this fight. The guy, the, the guy, the cheater still gets still benefits, and they said, "No, we can't do that. We can't put a whole new contract to make it even." Um, so, and, I, and then the next thing I said, "I won't do it." And they said, "The next thing they said was a letter from their lawyer said, if you don't, if you don't take this fight, we're going to sack you." I'm like, "Wow, you guys!" And that idiot, Dana White, says, "Oh, we don't force you to fight, dude. You're the worst liar on the planet." 
Oh well, uh, yeah. Okay, so the, so it's it's still sort of quietly ongoing. Let's just qu- briefly talk about the fact that someone's decided that you are worthy of having a movie made about your life because the story from you know it's it's an incredible story. Uh, we, we, what when they first approached you, what was your reaction, or or did you push this production? Well, the, the truth is, I didn't want to. I mean, I wrote a book. Well, I didn't actually write the book, but uh, you know, to me, what got me about it was. The, the publisher, Vanessa, for the books, you know, keep talk, calling me, and I'm pretty straightforward. And, if, and the third time, fourth time she called me, I'm like about to tell this bitch to get the fuck out of here. But then she goes, Mark, you can help other people. It's not about money. And I said, ooh, that's a pretty great idea. You can help others. And that's why I did. That's why I said yes to the book. This is pretty much similar to the same thing. The doctor is pretty much to help others. Uh, um... Uh, it, it was uh, for this one. The, uh, I think Netflix approached, but then I said no. Um, this private company place they were paying, so I said yeah. So to help others with their journey in life, I think it's great. You know, my path was fighting, and uh, and I didn't want to be a fighter to be honest. So now here I am again fighting, not in the hospital or the ring, but I'm fighting in the courts. And not just one lawsuit, but a, 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 a different one also. You know, one against steroids and the other one against. Uh, uh, fair pay, uh, fair pay, because you know the MMA fighters, you'll see, they only get sixty percent of the revenue, which is, which is garbage. Can I, can I be brutally honest here? Yes, sir. Have you made enough money to be comfortable in your life after all of these years? Well, the truth is no. I've been fighting for a long time. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a shitload of mistakes at the end of the day, but um, uh, at the end of that, I'm still fighting. I'm still grinding like everyone else at the end of the day. So um, the truth is, no. But you sound, but you sound in a funny old way happy. You're a lovely family. You've got kids. And you sound like you, you know where your, your role is in this world. Well, the truth is, uh, for me, like I, I always say to people, all the children go to gods. I mean, like tomorrow's never promised. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or whatever, you could get run over tomorrow. You get shot tomorrow, you know. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. I mean, you can't take any... There's no U-Haul vans behind a hearse, brother. Yeah, fair play on that one. One final thought. What do you want your kids to think about you? What do they want to... When someone says, what's your dad like, what do you want them to say? Well, I mean, whatever. They're probably going to say some some funny shit about their dad. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, I want their dad to understand their dad has been a fighter through and through, you know, from the start to the end. That'll... He's always fought for something better. You know, he's always had a, a cause to fight for. Yeah, no. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool, man. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for giving me your time today. When does the movie come out? Is it next year? I think it's um, the 3rd of February, to be honest. 3rd of Feb. Looking forward to seeing it, mate. Congratulations. Yes. And uh, keep fighting, Let's man. Get out, people. I will, buddy. Keep fighting. Yeah, he called me Steve-O. I'm not going to call him out. There is no way I'm calling Mark Hunt out for calling me Steve-O. Mark Hunt, the super Samoan. Wow. Uh, still very much involved in the fight against fair pay for fighters and the whole steroid gig. That was um, – he gets – you can see uh, – John, you can see his passion there, mate. I was I was quite staggered once we, we pushed that button. I thought it might have been – because I haven't seen or read much about it of late – but as soon as you push that button, he is still incredibly passionate and angry about 
fighters not giving their fair due. And when you think about it, we've, we've talked about Kai Kara France this morning and how excited they were for the $50,000 bonus. It does make you wonder what contract or the amount they signed on for for the fight itself. Yeah, yeah, no, he's I, like... We've heard Mark talk like this for ages, haven't we? I think it's gone past anger to now just frustration and just disbelief that the same things are happening now that were happening while he was still at the UFC. Like when he got beaten by Brock Lesnar, a juiced-up professional wrestler who just lay on him for three rounds, it was just like, this isn't right. Like, this guy is clearly roided up and he's fighting Mark Hunt, a good Kiwi man, in the UFC, and he's getting done over. And then not only is he fighting that fight against anti-doping, he's fighting the fight to get fighters paid properly. So, man, he is just like, a lot of people are just like, Mark Hunt, he's an abrasive man, but he's a passionate man, and he's fighting for a good cause, Stephen. And, and I don't feel sorry for him. I had to ask that question, have you made money to be comfortable? I didn't feel sorry for him, right? He says, no, I haven't, but, you know, you keep fighting. All right, we keep fighting here on Summer Days on SENZ. If you want to be a winner and watch Parker Jazora, courtesy of Sky Sport Now, you can book on Sky Arena if you are a Sky customer. If you're not, you can uh, book on Sky Sport Now. But if you want to win the free pass, call me now. Here's your cue to call. 0800 844 747. That's 0800 no, no, let me start. 150811. 0800 150. Don't know where that one came from. Yes, I do. 0800 150. It's Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. 1052 0800 150811. G'day, Ben from Jamie from Nelson. How are you? Okay. Um, how are you, Stephen? Yeah, nice good. to hear your dulcet tones. Airwaves. Thank you, mate. What's on your mind? I've got about 40 seconds. Oh, mate, just quickly, just uh, uh, well done on that interview. Great to great to um, hear from Mark Hunt. Um, great story. And, uh, yeah, good to get an insight. Um, uh, amazing to – he's done a lot of amazing things and good to see here he's still going strong and um, fighting the good fight. Mate. So, yeah, just want to say great interview. Thank well, thank you. thank you very much, mate. And uh, interesting to know that he didn't want to be a fighter, but he's turned out that's his life. Hey, Jamie, you're in the draw to win that uh, Parkages or a fight pass. So uh, good luck, mate. I appreciate that one. 0800 150 You can do it till midday, and we'll give out the winner uh, before midday here on Summer Days. Of Parker, Derek Chisora fight pass. 0800 150 You can be a winner, winner, chicken dinner, courtesy of Sky Sport now and the team here at SENZ. Time to go to the TAB. Don't forget to uh, download the app and gamble responsibly. Hello, Pops. Hello, Stephen McIver, or should I say is Mark Hunt or do you have Steve-O? Hey, 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 hey. You know not to, to go there, pal. Don't start some kind of theme here. What's good at the tab today, buddy? <laughs> I just had to drop that in there. Yeah, of course you did, you, you turd. <laughs> right, um, Monday Night Football, of course, uh, the Cardinals are playing the Rams. Oh, Ra- yeah. uh, Cardinals won. 60. Yeah, that's a good game. 160 Cardinals, Rams 223. All the big money is for the Cardinals. I can tell you we've had a big bet on the total points in this match to be over 51 and a half, 3,000 at $1.87. Last time these two sides met, there was 57 points, so maybe the punters onto something there. Arizona to go all the way, half-time, full-time, 1,000 at $2.40 also. And just one other sports, Stephen, before we leave it there. Canterbury are playing Otago in some cricket, and you can watch that on Watch and Bet via the TAB app. And it's about to kick off in about 10 minutes. It's the full trophy match, and Canterbury are just favourites at 170 with Otago at $2. Cardinals for me, Mr. Popperwell. Talk again.
Good to talk to you, Steve. Oh, I'm going to get you, man. I'm going to get you. Trudy here, News and Sport after 11. Give us a call 0800 1508 11. Be a winner. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> That was John Day just clearing his throat. 11.03 here on Summer Days with Stephen McIver. 0800-150-811 if you want to win that Parkages or a Fight Pass. Get on the phone now. Here's your cue to call. 0800-150-811 as we go to loveracing.nz. Louis Herman Watt joins us right now. Hey, Louis, can I ask you a quick question before we talk about what's hot in thoroughbred racing right now? Do you, do you, like, do you get angry when people call you say, hey, Lou? Or do you like Louis? Because people are calling me Steve, I just don't wear. I haven't worn it for years. Or Steve-O. Are you a Louis or are you, can someone say Lewis or Lewis? Yeah, I don't mind. Lewis, Louis, Lou, uh, Loser. I've had a few of those. Oh, no, you don't. Um, I don't like this. No, no. See, I, you know what? That's the one word I don't like. I think that's the harshest word ever. I could never call you Loser. All right. Well, if that's the, only, the one word you don't like, you're sure you'll cop Steve. I think you've made it a thing now. So bro, bro, actually, I'm not, hey, go, no, no, bro, I do not even cop. I don't even go there. Let's talk with stuff that you know and I don't know. Thoroughbred racing, what's what's big right now? Um, look, it's, today's a Tuesday, a little bit of an off day. We had the trials at Road to Ruin. You're going yesterday. off. Um, t- t- tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow we're, we've, got a, we've got an awesome day tomorrow and I'll, um, at Pukakaui. So obviously with the uh, borders being shut, it's been a bit niggly for trainers and jockeys in this part of the world but now with um well as of tomorrow right the borders will be open so um industry participants will be able to travel back and through past with uh their covid vaccine passports and that sort of thing so it's a great day tomorrow lots of juvenile horses so the younger horses two-year-olds three-year-olds yeah. haven't had a chance to get to the race will be coming out that'll be fun and also there was a bit of news michael Guerin, co-host of yeah. mail run uh, he's also racing editor at new zealand herald he's got a great article up on Dylan Herald about exactly what it looks like for the Osley Christmas Carnival because so Boxing Day that's going to be at Orange so I only have about 900 people on track owners members but on New Year's Day the next big day we've got the Great Race uh, the Railway there's going to be well no, that'll be that'll be at Orange won't it that'll be at Orange that's right yeah that's right it'll be at Orange so the other one will be at Red sorry um, yeah no no yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah you're yeah, right yeah, no, you, no you're right yeah. that's a, I always thought the article was about how to clean your Aston Martin by Michael Guerin because he, he he keeps that car so filthy I'm so angry because I love a clean car mm, yeah he's 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 a unique character on Mickey <laughs> G but um, but we'll be we'll be loving it back at uh, we'll be there on New Year's Day for a massive party at Ellerslie to kind of welcome Auckland into the orange traffic light. So we're kind of hanging out for that. Hey, hey um, quick question. The importance of the border opening for the industry, how big a deal is that? Yeah, huge, huge. Um, I mean, it's been a really long and arduous process and, you know, different jockeys have managed to get exemptions and, you know, some trainers have been able to get out if they could drive a truck and all these weird kind of quirks. But for the most part, industry participants have been stuck in Auckland mm. we've got lots of good trainers and horse people and they haven't been able to get down to the Waikato region where a bulk of the bulk of the thoroughbred industry kind of makes its money so it's been really tough and vice versa so it's huge just like many industries so we can't overstate the importance just for racing but I know lots of good racing people will be loving tomorrow 
and they would have got vaccinated waiting for this day and ready to be rightly rewarded. So it's going to be a great day. Yeah, and, that's, and, you, and you said the right thing too, getting vaccinated, getting it done. And as you read reports all over the world of things going, the best way to do it is get the jab and move on and we get back to semi-normal. Hey, Louis, thanks for your time, buddy. No worries, Stephen. Yeah, 0800 150811 if you want to win that Parkage or a Fight Pass. We've had calls this morning. Tell us what you've been listening to and what you think about it and if you've got an opinion. Uh, do you have an opinion about Joe Schmidt, who has been uh, not confirmed, but the report uh, is pretty close to it, that he is going to be the new All Black selected to replace um, the, mag- the magician himself and Grant Fox. Do I have an opinion on it? Uh, the only opinion I have on Joe Schmidt coming to the All Blacks and, and also the Blues, remember that is on a, on a sort of semi-consultancy basis, quite a, a light role at the Blues, is that if you bring someone in that is going to make you better, then you are doing the right thing. So long as everybody is on the same page, it's that whole collaborative, right? And I and I come back to the the ESPN Plus, well, actually, just the ESPN documentary on. Oh God, it's just Buccaneers. Tom Brady, and he says, "No one is above the team," and that that resonates with me all the way through. No one is above the team, whether you're the quarterback the coach, the water person, whatever, no one is above the team. So if those involved in those organisations, the Blues and the All Blacks, can see Joe Schmidt coming in and adding so much to the organisations to make them better both on and off the field, then the job is done. Then you have done the right thing. And so that's it. I'd, I'm not going to speculate, and because I don't have the experience to speculate on whether or not I think he's a good guy or a bad guy. I know he's a good guy because he's a very good friend of my mate, um, Daryl Halligan, uh, who has who was his kicking coach for his French club a long time ago when Joe was uh, in, was he in France? He was in France first. Yeah, he was in France first. And then he went that year. So that is a little while ago. So I'm just letting you know, just making sure I got my facts right. Uh, so yeah, if, if Joe is coming and he's going to add uh, job has been done. 0800 150811. Get on the phone now if you want to be a winner before midday and watch Parkages or for free. That's in capital letters F R E E. All right, thanks to Sky Sport Now. We are in the Mount Rushmore before midday, going to name John Day and myself our four favourite fighters that we could remember because we are getting on a bit. I mean, John's almost 40, for goodness sake. My gosh, I'm almost 50. <laughs> uh, so Kane has texted in and said, Tyson, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, who should never have taken on that that fight before because he's lost a lot of money. He's lost a ton of cash. And uh, I've, that's when you feel sad that people haven't been looked after or those around them. I blame, I blame a lot of the time the people around them, the advisors that aren't doing the right thing. And Tyson Fury... And having seen the documentary, and there's plenty of replays, by the way, on Sky Sport and Prime about the the Joseph Parker documentary that was on here last night at 8.30 on Sky Sport. Now, uh, one, excuse me, called Fight Back. You need to have a look because you'll get a little bit of a glimpse into how important Tyson Fury is to Joseph Parker's advancement as a heavyweight going forward. All right, 10 past 11. Coming next, Chief Cricket correspondent for The Guardian. That's right. He's coming next. Ali Martin, live on SNZ. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith, on SNZ. 
11.16, time to turn our attention towards the second Ashes Test at the Adelaide Oval starting on Thursday. The Chief Cricket Correspondent for the Guardian newspaper is Ali Martin. He joins us right now from South Australia. G'day, Ali. Uh, good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Um, was that you referencing in the Guardian article that the the Gabba should be referenced as the Gabatoire? <laughs> Yeah, that's a that, that's a nickname that's been sort of doing the rounds for a, a few years now, probably because of England's horrendous record there. Um, they tend to get uh, pretty much butchered when they turn up, and uh, and that's pretty much what happened you, from ball one in that first test. You referenced a meek collapse. Did you expect it to that to happen when you went into this first test? Well, I mean, the overnight partnership from David Milan and, and, and Joe Root had, um, had kind of, you know, set England up with a chance, only only sort of half a chance, but they were about 50-odd 50, 50 runs behind with, with only two wickets down. But unfortunately, having followed England, uh, you know, for a good few years, and particularly this year, uh, when they've had a couple of similar scenarios against India at home at Lords and then at the Oval, um, it was a case of kind of expecting the inevitable, and the inevitable occurred. Um yeah, it, 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 batting had become trickier. To be fair, the, the bounce had started to become a bit um, indifferent, and uh, and Nathan Lyon was 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 sort of twirling away at one end, hunting that 400th Test wicket. But um, but yeah, it was it was sadly from an English perspective uh, a, pr- a pretty limp collapse that followed. Are, are the selection decisions when it comes to the bowling obvious? They made the mistakes, not not bringing Broad and Anderson in. Well, it's an interesting one because you'd, you'd only have to look at the test match and say that they England lost it with the bat on that first day of you know being reduced to um, what was it twenty nine for three after after just a, a, few, a handful of overs um, and obviously losing Rory Burns' first ball, which which can only have sent shockwaves through the dressing room. To be honest, that is the absolute worst possible start yeah, for yeah. an openers series and also for a team. So I don't know. I mean, I. Did they pick the right team? I'd suggest probably not, although my team would have been to have picked the extra seamer in, in Stuart Broad, left out the spinner and bowled first in those conditions. So uh, as it was, they played the seamer. They tried to sort of play, uh, look look to later in the game. But unfortunately, if you, if you do get bowled for about 147, which is the maximum break you can get in snooker, um, you are snookered. Uh, and and so it really, it, really, it really doesn't matter what happens after that in terms of the bowling because um, unfortunately the batsman... Uh, fluff their lines on day one. When you follow, when as a journalist, when you are following following the Ashes, I mean, do you become emotionally attached and involved in it at being an Englishman? Uh, <laughs> like it's, I mean, you, I mean, you obviously try and keep your sort of professional hat on and um, I'll come on. try and do the job and do the job and, and call it dispassionately. But yeah, I won't lie that there was a bit of a sinking feeling when uh, when Mitchell Stark managed to laser that ball into Rory Burns's leg stump. And um, and from there, it, it, it almost felt like a procession. But um, having said that, England did they did pre- yeah. get themselves a couple of opportunities to get back in the match. Um, they just weren't quite good enough to do it, unfortunately. So as you head into the Adelaide Test, uh, do you want to see Broad and Edison in there? And and where does the batting support need to come from? It's a good question. Uh, I, to be honest, I wouldn't expect the batting lineup to change. So really, I guess the hope there is that the uh, the initial game that they had, the initial Test match they've had. No test match should be a warm-up, but you'd hope that the batting lineup would be better for it. They had such a limited uh, preparation period because of the rain in Queensland. Um, uh, but in terms of the bowling, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. England get very, very excited about the pink ball. They do it every time, but actually their record, uh, in they've, they've played three pink ball tests away from home. 
Um, you guys will never forget the one at Eden Park when uh, when they were bowled out for. I'm trying to, well, I remember they were 29 for eight. Well, 29 for nine. So, <laughs> and that and that was in broad daylight. So, um, and they, they got pumped yeah. in Adelaide in 2017 too. They got beaten by 120 runs, albeit that Anderson got a five for five for 43. That's right, and 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 he did get the he did get the pink ball moving under lights. As I say, England England get very excited about the pink ball, um, but they sort of thus far haven't really delivered with it. Earlier this year, we had a pink ball test in our Medabad. England picked uh, three seamers. They got very excited about the way the ball was moving through the air in the nets. They picked three seamers, and Joe Root ended up taking five for eight with his little off breaks. And uh, it was a two-day test, and England got absolutely marmalised in that one. So their history isn't great with the pink ball. Jimmy Anderson, I think he well, he, he has to come back in, yeah. essentially. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you've held him back, which they did do as a kind of slightly precautionary measure because of a limited build-up and the fact the guy's 39 it probably takes a little bit longer for the the joints to get moving and what have you at that age although i'm a year older so i probably shouldn't uh, (laughs) i should claim that that's quite young but um glass houses (laughs) exactly but you should um, uh, yeah he's he's and he's as fit as a flea to be fair but he is you know they they did want to be cautious in the the 2019 ashes jimmy broke down after after just four overs on the first morning and england ended up playing the first, first test with only 10 men for the rest of the match so I understand their caution, but really now, having primed him for this match, he has to come back in. The question is for who, really? Um, Jack Leach, uh, the, you know, the, he got, I think that was probably, he was, it was the fastest gallon that a bowler's conceded in an Ashes Test match, which is 100 runs, and he did it in about 73 balls. So um, as much as Travis Head thought he got the fastest century in that match, it was actually Jack Leach with the ball. So uh, <laughs> that is so whether... that is that is so English to give give that that one <laughs> just a quick back slapper, hey? Yeah, I know, I know. But but essentially, whether he can continue or whether he's already been hit out of the series, I don't know. So it could be that Jimmy comes back in for Jack Leach. Uh, that would lead to an all all seam attack. Now you're looking at Stuart Broad in that scenario. How does he come back in? Well. This is a problem for England because uh, Ollie Robinson was their standout bowler. Uh, Mark Wood bowled with considerable pace for the entire 25 overs that he sent down. I think he was—he was. I know you guys deal in kilometres, but we we deal yeah. in old money, and yeah, it, yeah. he was—he was consistently above 90 miles an hour, and, and was a, a clear physical threat. And he got the key wicket of Steve Smith. Now, he, if he's able to back up, you'd want to unleash him with a pink ball under lights. Then it comes down to Chris Wokes, really, I suppose, if, if anyone's going to make way for Stuart Broad. But Chris Wokes is pretty much the only qualified number eight in the whole, uh, in the whole squad. And were you to pick Stuart Broad in place of Chris Wokes, then really you'd be looking at an extremely thin tail. I mean, it would, be, um, it, would, it would probably be a case of sort of seven out, all out in that scenario. So England have got a real headache there because it is the batting that's failed. And as much as the lower order shouldn't be there to bail them out at the top, you do want lower order runs. But... The his, England's history in Australia essentially is that the tails struggle with the short ball. Um, we saw Ollie Robinson struggle against the short ball. We, um, Chris Wokes, he did manage to you know, get, a, I think it was about tw- 21 in the first innings and 16 in the second. And they're not match-changing kind of interventions, but really you do need some runs from the lower order and that is going to vex them. Um, and I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, it's a bit early to call because we've got two days of training and, and thankfully for the first time on tour, I'm going to be able to get to Nets today and you know, maybe try and uh, collar a few people and, and see which way they're leaning with the team selection. But um, what would you, what would you do, Ali? Ali, what would you do? What would you do? Sorry to jump in there, but what would you do? Would you would you put both seamers in and, and sacrifice someone because you've dropped the first test and you need to get back into the series? Well, I, I, I suspect they'll probably end up, yeah. I, I mean, what would I do? I would probably, 
Oh, this is uh, this is a really tough one because I do I do worry about that tail if, if Stuart Broad plays. But maybe, maybe you just have to throw caution to the wind and say, look, batsman, you have to score the runs. Bowlers, you're there to take the wickets uh, <laughs> exactly. and try and get through it. I, th- I think England's best chance is probably a sort of a low-scoring dogfight that they that they emerge on top of. Um, yeah, because it's it's it could be it could be a fast and furious game as well. It's an interesting thing you say about low-scoring dogfight because Test cricket has changed so much, and I and I. I I'm going to use the word blame. I put the blame on the IPL and T20 cricket, whereas you don't sort of see, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you are the wiser one here, you don't see <laughs> you don't see dog fights in Tess anymore. It's either uh, low innings, big innings, uh, bang, 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 she's all over, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Oh, is he gone? Has he gone on us? Where's he gone? Just technical problems here at the moment on SCNZ. Just one moment, caller. Just a reminder where we're waiting to get Ali back. Uh, 0800 150 That's 0800 150 uh, Get on the blow now, actually, while we're having a chat to Ali. We'll take a call uh, before 11.30 if you want to win that Joseph Parker, Derek Chisora. Uh, fight pass courtesy of Sky Sport. Now, if you are a Sky subscriber, you can uh, get that on. Uh, you can book on Sky Arena. But if you are not a Sky subscriber, shame on you. Uh, then you can go to Sky Sport now and register and book, and then you can just stream it off your phone. Really, really, really simple. The streaming options on Sky now as well. So it's thirty nine ninety five. T's and C's, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven is the number to call if you want to have a crack at that Parker Chisora fight pass. To, free uh, before midday today. How are we going, lads? Are we, have we lost him completely? Uh, we're just going to call him back at the moment. So uh, there you go. We, we spoke to Joseph Parker uh, yesterday. He says he is ready to go. He says he's going to make a statement. Well, he didn't say he was going to make a statement, but he did say that he has got over the, the lapses in concentration, which were highlighted in the documentary, which you can see on Sky and Prime this coming week. Just check all the uh, details uh, because that's really important uh, that he cannot lapse against someone like Trezor who dropped him. Uh, dropped him in the uh, first round, seven seconds into the first round. So if you want that fight pass and you can and, and call me because it's not texting, it's all about talking to yours truly, then 0800 is the number. That's 0800 is the number. We're just trying to get Ali back now, so just a quick reminder. Hey, just uh, further to the, the whole debacle, you might call of the F1, uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, said over his team radio, it's been revealed now, that the race, quote-unquote, had been manipulated, that it had been manipulated. He said he was he was magnanimous in his interviews. He was, he was very, it's all class, let's be blunt. But on the final lap after Max had passed him, he said, this has been manipulated, man. Uh, they are still trying to appeal it, but there is some suggestion in a Dutch newspaper that Lewis Hamilton has actually asked them to just drop the protest and move on. And I think that's probably a really smart move uh, by Hamilton to say, look, you know what, they won it. You know, I've got seven. I don't need another one. It would be nice to be number one, but he's got another season. See if he's have crack. It looks like we've lost Ellie Martin, so I apologise for that. Uh, the word of modern communications, but he did say some really interesting things uh, about the English team. So he was, you know, I think he was bored teetering on the idea of just going for it and, and putting broad and also Anderson, the two quickies into that. The question mark for the Australian side is over Hazelwood. He's out with a side strain, right? So they've got this West Australian uh, quick called uh, Jai Richardson, who was... Uh, 
in there to potentially replace him. He made his debut in actually 2019, the day-nighter, against Sri Lanka. Well, he got a five for as well in that as well. So it looks like when it comes to Australian cricket, they have got a a tonne, an absolute tonne of uh, guys ready to go. So that's what's going on at the moment in the cricket. Our apologies again that we lost Ali, but uh, is he back there? Is he just ringing us? Have we got time? Yes. Okay, let's just, uh, he's calling us. Let's just quickly take him. He's gone again. He's gone again. Uh, let's let's just bail because Trudy's walked in and she's uh, keen to talk to the... Should we do the news now? Should we get the news ready? Do you ready to go, John? She's ready. Okay, here's Trudy. She's got a new lippy on too. Stumped by Stephen. That's right. He had a great day yesterday. Stumped by Stephen. Two. Two. I got two right. Superb, superb effort, Stephen, because <laughs> you weren't backing yourself either. You were playing yourself down a bit, I saying, was, oh, I, I don't know about my general because, knowledge in be, sport. Because the last year, funny for that, for the amount of sport I've done over 30 years, right? Uh, but the funny thing was, I the last time I'd done it, filling in for Smithy, I was rubbish. Mm. Absolute rubbish. Yeah, well, you got yeah, you got a certain subject which you didn't know a lot about. So I won't let the I won't let the listeners know that. But we was that, well, that was rugby. Just say it. Yeah, okay. It was, it was, rugby. It was rugby. I'm a big boy. It was rugby. Yeah, yeah okay. and you didn't know a lot, but nah. that's okay. Hey, that's I started, okay. Hey, just 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 before you said, I used to do test rugby. Okay, you did. I hosted the last ever test that was Athletic Park. Oh, how good! In the peeing rain. What a spot, and Athletic that, Park. It, it, when does it not rain at Athletic Park? Uh, I think it was Joan. No, Christian Cullen scored in the left left corner. Is when we beat oh, the Wallabies East, forty the, points to eight yeah, or something we like that? Smacked Walked on water. And I remember walking down the tunnel in the under the old grandstand and and uh, Sean Fitzpatrick with the skipper and the whole nine yards. Hey, I was there at Lancaster Park when Zinzang Brook played his fiftieth test. So don't talk to me about rugby. All right, you've, you've got <laughs> history, Sim. You've proven yourself. <laughs> Case dismissed. <laughs> All right, Reed from Gore. You've made it through first on the line. How are you, mate? Yeah, no, good things, guys. How, how are we? Yeah, very well, very well. Now, you have a chance, of course, to win 50 bucks in the TAB and Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Did you know they're New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements, Reed? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Oh, now you do, <laughs> mate. Now you <laughs> do. Uh, did, did you know that I was I was at the 50th test of Vizins and Brook <laughs> when it was at Lancaster Park, Reid? <laughs> I do now, Stephen. <laughs> Good man. See, he's showing me respect too, calling me by my he proper is. name. Thank he's, you, Reid. He's not jumping on the bandwagon, is he? All right, Reid. <laughs> two categories today, because I only wrote one question about Formula One, so you're going to have to wait for tomorrow. So two categories, rugby league or basketball. Oh. Do either of those do it for you? League, league. Yeah, I'll go rugby league. Good please, man, uh, good man. Oh. All right, let's go. Looking forward to this. Very good. All right, Reid. Who's your team, by the way? You Warriors? Oh, yeah, Warriors, mate, absolutely. Yeah. Love yep. them even more. Got to be, got to be. <laughs> Draw them through, Warriors, mate. Hopefully they get home next year. What about a game in Invercargill at Rugby Park with the Warriors? How good would that be? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> a few spates in the Warriors, bloody good. All right, question number one. <laughs> Who scored the most points in the NRL this season? 2021, top point scorer. Uh... One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Nah, Tommy Turbo did not score the most points this year. He doesn't kick the goals, so that's why he doesn't have the most Cleary. points. Was it Cleary? Was it Cleary? So Stephen, was what it are Nathan you going for? Cleary? One of the worst things I have ever seen. Oh done no, on no, a no, field. no, no! It's the Manly Boy. It's the young Manly Boy, wasn't it? Yep, it was Stephen. It was Ruben Garrick. 
the manly winger. He was converting all of Tommy Turbo's tries, and he got a few himself, actually. So Ruben Garrick scored 334 points this year and broke a long-standing uh, record by Matthew Ridge. Actually dating back to 95 or 96. Reed, he's going on like this because he's a manly fan. Okay? So yeah. just let him, let him have his Love moment. It. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, it means you're still alive, Reed, because Stephen also got it wrong. Question number two. <laughs> Who claimed the wooden spoon this year? And I can tell you it wasn't manly and it wasn't the Warriors because both those teams have never won the wooden spoon. So who was it? Pretty sure it was the Bulldogs. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. You have nailed that, Reid. And, Stephen, they've gone about changing that club, haven't they? They've brought in Phil Gould. They've bought a few, <laughs> and bought a few spent players. spent up large. They've got the Fox, Josh Adokar. They've got Tevita Pangai Jr. Uh, they've, got, they've got plenty. Uh, I'm sure they're under the salary cap, but it's going to be yeah. an interesting year because uh, Coach Trent, 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 come on, help me out. I've forgotten his name already. Yeah, he yeah, coached Manly and he was Barrett, rubbish. Trent Barrett. Barrett. Uh, interesting to watch. Hey, Reid, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an added bonus here. I know you've won this one because you've done that well, but I'm going to put you in the draw. I'm going to put you in the draw uh, for the Parker Jazora fight pass, okay? Because we're giving away a free fight pass to the Parker Jazora fight. Is that okay if I put you in the draw? Oh, mate, thanks very much. That's much appreciated. No, mate, no, you haven't won it, pal. I'm putting you in the draw. There's one more question <laughs> yeah, to no, go, no, Stephen, no. as well. <laughs> Wouldn't have been that otherwise. <laughs> okay, sorry, one more question. <laughs> my the, bad, the my bad. The lucky last. So get this right, Reid. You win everything, get it wrong, and it jackpots to tomorrow. So oh, this oh, is I, interesting sorry, that this has happened already. Uh, who did Warriors coach Nathan Brown infamously slap <laughs> while he was coaching the Dragons? Infamously what? Slap. Slap. So he was coach of the Dragons. Oh. One of the players came on the sideline and Nathan Brown gave him an old-fashioned slap in front of everyone. And we may have just mentioned this um, guy. I think we just mentioned his name, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Isn't he the coach of the dogs? Oh, oh, oh slap. Yeah, it was the old Trent, Trent Barrett, wasn't it? Just a couple of chips <laughs> down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. There you go, Reid. 50 bucks from the TAB and those Sleep Drops Daytime Revive for all ages, lifestyle stages, sleeping challenges. Read the label. Take us directed. Sleep Drop Auckland. You are a winner, Reid. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And uh, if I don't talk to you again, Merry Christmas. And uh, thanks for the fantastic uh, listening. It's been throughout the year. You're welcome, mate. We, lo- we love it. We love it when, you, when you're nice to us. And you're in the draw for the uh, <laughs> Parkages or a fight. Have a great time, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I, that re- was random, wasn't it? Well, it was so random. When I, when I wasn't even thinking of that, I didn't even know that next question. And talking about Trent Barrett, yeah. which I finally figured out. But it's going to be an interesting one. This one because I'm. It's all well and good to buy the cattle, and they've got big cattle, right? That that's really good cattle. But you got to coach them, right? It's as, it's as simple as that, right? I mean, you know, you know that absolutely. And he did such a terrible job at Manly, and Dez comes straight back in and turns them into contenders again. So coaching is massive in the NRL now. They've got Phil Gould at the Dogs, master coach. Uh, okay, so can so, he teach Trent how to coach? Well, hang on, no, he, but he's not supposed to. That's not his job. He's the director of football. But yeah, I know what you're saying. But I just wonder at the time that he was with Manly, whether he didn't have the support he needed because he looked like he was walking on eggshells every time he walked out onto onto the field. You know? Yeah. Too. Well, that club does internal fighting with the owners constantly, with the Penn family, etc. And then also he walked in, literally walked into the job, Stephen, and didn't have a desk. 
He had he had outdoor furniture, an outdoor furniture seat sitting in an office, and they was like, "There you go, coach the club now, Trent, and your first big jig, uh, first big gig, give it yeah, a go." Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. I th- I think what Brisbane do and what they are, are going to do is, and they haven't really bought super well. You know, they bought the bloke for the the big the big sort of Ford slash midfield of the origin Ford uh, Capewell Kurt Capewell from the Sharkies and I don't think as some have suggested yeah Ben Iken that's good he play may have played Queensland but he's not one of those players that's going to break a game open he's going to be that that per- he's a bit more than Kevin Campion in the sense of what he can do on the field but he's not one of those guys who go wow we really, we really need him. I mean, I think one of the big losses for them was Xavier Coates going to the Melbourne Storm. I mean, that was huge. I thought for the, for them to lose Xavier Coates. Yeah, and Cape Cable is a bit of a journeyman. This who strikes me as like a classic Queensland maroon centre. Yeah, you know, like well, it doesn't it, look like so cent- many of them before. Not, but he doesn't look like a centre. Back row centre. Yeah, but he doesn't look like a stuck in between. Because you know, you 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 know, you when you're dealing with players, for instance, like a Joe Joey Manu wing centre, who are big, strong, and fast, and you put them up against Cable, you go. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I think that I think the key. Uh, are we going to take a little break in a minute? Yeah, I think the key though is watching the bunnies without Adam Reynolds. Oh, that was the big signing for the the the, the Broncos, Adam Reynolds. But how, who replaces him? Because now we've got Ben Barber. And oh, no, it's not Ben Barber. Someone else is in trouble that was going there, and so it's also. Hey, you know the one thing about rugby league always gives us a story. Always gives us a story. 0800 150811 is the number. We'll give you one more chance to be a winner with Sky Sport now and SENZ to win that fight pass to Parker Jazora. But Mount Rushmore, we climb it next. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. <laughs> So it's time for our weekly Mount Rushmore. Today, our top four favourite fighters, regardless of what sort of fight sport they're in. Johnny, you can go first today. Thanks, Stephen. And I've been um, told I can't do wrestlers anymore in my top four. I always find a way to sneak in like Brett the Hitman Hart or Hulk Hogan <laughs> or something. So I've been told by Smithy not to do that anymore. Why? So there won't be any it's, wrestlers It's still a genuine, top four it's a genuine fight sport, so I disagree. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, my number four, this is appointment viewing. Every time I see this guy's name uh, that he's going to fight, I have to be there yeah. and I have to watch because he is just an excitement machine. He's got to be very careful. Oh! Yeah, that is, co- of course, Israel Adesanya, uh, tremendous, tremendous fighter, <laughs> born in Nigeria, out of Auckland, New Zealand, just beating Robert Whitaker that day. I had friends who went to Melbourne for it, say it was one of the best days, nights, slash events they've ever, ever been to, and you can hear it, it just popped off the stadium there. Uh, Israel Adesanya, just an incredible fighter, charismatic, uh, you might disagree with him, you might agree with him. 
but he is, you know, he's someone who puts himself out there, and I enjoy that about him as well. You know what? I agree with you. I'm, I'm, my number four is Israel Adesanya. He's your four as well. He, he's number four. I've interviewed him many times. The first time he was he was thrown out some hip hip street lines, and I completely got it wrong. He looked at me and said, "He's like, he's it's okay, bro." But the, <laughs> then the last time I interviewed was about a year pre COVID, and he walked in and he was wearing a polo white polo neck, and I honestly double talk. I, I kid you not. I said I couldn't believe it. I thought I was watching a young Ali walk in. Wow. He was almost looking like. But yeah, and by the way, Whitaker Adesanya 2 is official for UFC 271 on February 12th. Okay, number three. Yeah, Houston. It's in Houston. Houston. Oh, Houston. I wanted that here so bad. Oh, relax, uh, relax. Will we get to see Izzy fight here for the belt again, just quickly? We'll never clue. Yeah. All right, Ask my Dana. number three, slightly more favourite than Israel okay. Adesanya. This guy, just uh, best, best left hook in the business that I've ever seen. The 90s were all about this man and poor old Shane Cameron. I felt sorry for Shane Cameron, man. When David Tua came back and knocked him around that ring in that first round, then Shane had to come out in that second round knowing I was there he on was the going night. to get his uh, yeah, head knocked off his shoulders. That was the first big fight production for Duco events. Oh, wow. That was the very first. They put they basically mortgaged themselves, and that turned into be the biggest ever at this stage, the biggest ever pay-per-view for Sky at yep. the time. I was well, there. I remember it well, it. and I remember it vividly and went, Oh, shame. Yeah, my shame. number three, David Tua. Okay, my, my number three uh, is a little bit different. Well, because it's a different weight class, but I think one of the all time greats, Hall of Famer. Pacquiao, I think he's trying to send a message to Hatton that he's still a puncher and he's still strong at this weight, having been a full weight world champion all the way from flyweight through to lightweight. It's a nightmare experience in Las Vegas for poor Ricky Hatton. Let us hope he is okay. All I can say is uh, consistency uh, and uh, someone who could deliver. And one, what two words? Manny Pacquiao. That's all I'll say. Yeah, nah, amazing, amazing. Definitely deserves to be number three on your top four fighters of all time. My number two. Yep. A bit different. This he kind of transcended a lot of things. A philosopher. Uh, he knew a lot of different styles and had some great movies. This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Number two on my top four <laughs> favourite wow. fighters of all time, wow. Bruce Lee, oh, RIP at 32 gosh. years old, Stephen. He died at 32 oh, years old. What a man. Oh, yeah, I was just wait. I wanted to see the, the movie with him talking English, but actually talking uh, Chinese, you know, the... the anyway. Yeah, okay. dubbed. <laughs> okay, yeah. My, my number two uh, is all about not being hit. Canelo trying to cut him off and working the body. <laughs> Trying to rough up Mayweather as Mayweather smothers him again, Paul. Right hand by Canelo. 15 seconds left in the fight. 
in Las Vegas. There he goes, Floyd Mayweather. Don't, I don't care what you, what you think about him. He was the when you learn to box, it's all about not being hit. He survived on pure skill and not being hit. Mayweather is my number two in my top four. Yeah, another polarizing guy, but absolutely no one could hit him. Amazing. My number one. Well, what more can you say? How to wrestle with an alligator? <laughs> That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I don't tussle with a whale. I don't handcuff lightning. Throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, look, he can I, talk the talk and I, walk yeah, the walk. And, Muhammad and, Ali. Yeah. I my know. number one. Okay, so I, I could have gone that way, but for this one, for this 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 episode of uh, Mount Rushmore, I'm going for the baddest man on the planet. Here we go then. Round one. Savarese, of course, in the sky blue trunks. Um, he has the size to cause... Oh, oh there is the first No, he hasn't. There he is. First punch of the fight from Tyson. And poor old Savarese is flat on his back. It's all over shortly. Next punch. That was quicker than he put um, Julius Farsis oh, down. Yeah. Oh, he's got him. Oh, he's got it It's all over. It's all it's over. Again. He's stopping it. He's finished. It's finished. It's finished. And the referee's trying to stop the fight. Yeah. Tyson's still oh, he's not the referee down. He's not the referee down. He's still trying to throw punches. I can't believe this. This is mayhem. And well, Tyson just realised it's all over. Iron Mike Tyson caused mayhem for the heavyweight division, and he's a little guy. But boy, as, as my T-shirt reads, everyone got a plan. Until you get punched in the mouth. It's as simple as that. Okay, it's 11.52 here on Summer Days. That was terrible.